0: Welcome to PMP, the Partners in Positivity podcast, where Hasling Burnett and myself, Sarah Harty, warriors of EBP, SBP, DHBs, that's emotionally bulletproof, spiritually bulletproof, divine human beings, aim to wake up and shake up the nation through positivity, humor, and shared wisdom. Today on the international stage of our PNP podcast, we are honoured to have another unique and supreme divine human being. For the last 12 years, she has toured the world with the Grammy award-winning show, Riverdance, Dance, performing somewhere in the region of 2,500 shows. She's also co-founded weighted activewear line, Kilo Gear Cut, and is a fully qualified personal trainer and yoga teacher. Today, her precious time is spent as an advocate for positive mental health, and her name is Chloe Turner. For most of her life, Chloe kept her often crippling anxiety and depression a secret. Her father became her confidant from a young age until he passed away suddenly in her 20s. Chloe then continued to keep her panic attacks and long bouts of depression to herself until it became impossible to cope on her own. Chloe now speaks about her highs and lows, shares the steps she took towards getting better and the tools she continues to use daily to keep a healthy mind and body. Partners in Positivity, please help me welcome Chloe Turner. Chloe, thanks so
1: much (laughs) for being
0: here. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You are so welcome and we're just privileged and honoured to have you here. I'm going to straight away pass over to Ashleen, who's a fellow Irish dancer and met you recently.
2: Welcome, Chloe, and thanks so much for being here with us today. We're delighted to have you. I was at a wellness event back in October and I was blessed to hear you speaking about your journey as a dancer and river dance. I felt very inspired and I really connected on an emotional level being an Irish dancer too, and having my own mental health struggles. Can you take us through how your Irish dancing journey began?
1: Yeah, of course. God, I already feel a bit emotional. (laughs) 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 Um, Yes, I, um, I started Irish dancing when I was about eight or nine years old. I'd I'd seen Riverdance on the TV when it was just that seven minute interval act at the Eurovision Song Contest. And I guess like most of the world, I was blown away. And just this little girl, and I, I said to my, my, my dad first, we were watching it, I'd like to try Irish dancing. I tried other things. I tried ballet tap modern. Um, I was a keen athlete already in, involved in running um, and doing that competitively, but I wanted to try this. Um, so he said, "Yeah, like my dad's a Frenchman, but he he <laughs> loved Irish music and culture, and he'd always be listening to Irish music anyway." So, like, oh yeah, I want to be a part of this too. So, he took me along to my first dance class, um, and I'll never forget that day. We drove up, and it was in a church hall back then, and I could hear the taps of dancers' feet, and and I just froze in the car. I think I was just I, I was always this kind of little girl. I was so nervous, anxious, always scared of things. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I couldn't go in. Uh, and he was like, I thought you wanted to try this. And I was like, Oh, I don't think I do anymore. So he drove me then the 45 minutes home. Um, and then we tried again. It took a few attempts anyway. And eventually he dragged me in there because uh, he knew I wanted to do it. And it was obviously the best thing that ever happened to me. So uh, that was the start of it. I competed for a number of years until um, my dad video recorded me dancing in a studio, sent it over to Riverdance, and uh, did my audition. I think it was summer 2007. Um, again, that came with a bit of a panic attack out the front of the Gaiety Theatre, but <laughs> eventually I made the decision to go in 20 minutes before um, the audition time, wiped away the tears and calm myself down with the help of my dad, and in you know, I went, and off I went on tour a few months later. So that's it in like a, uh, a nutshell, really. But Wow. Now, I'm like, have you
2: already answered my next question? Um, uh. Now you're very passionate about being a positive mental health advocate and you're very open to having the conversation about your own depression and anxiety. When did you realise this was a problem for you? Because I'm aware it's quite a confusing thing to go through as a child.
1: Yeah, confusing is right. Um, One of my earliest memories, well very early would be for my parents trying to get me to go to school was a nightmare for them I'd be that kid clinging onto my mom's leg like don't let me go in there and um, and that was five six and then um, eight or nine going to dance class couldn't go in I was, I was always in fear that, that anxiety but one of uh, sadly one of my earliest memories um, of when I started to speak about it um, I was in the car on the way to a dance class I was about 12 years old we we're on the motorway and I just broke down in tears. I couldn't hold it in. I just cried my eyes out. And my dad, he pulled me over to the side of the road. So we on the motorway on the side of the road and he just hugged me and he said, please tell us what's wrong. You know, what's, mm-hmm. tell me everything, I'm your dad. What is it? What's, what's upsetting you? And I just, you know, I just said, dad, I'm, I'm sad and I don't know why. I said, I, you know, as a 12 year old girl, of course, like I, I just felt different. I didn't want to go to school you know, dance was like a release for me. Like I felt good after dance class, but going there, to be honest, didn't bring me much excitement. I just didn't feel the way other 12 year olds felt. Like I, I, I was like, why am I not excited? You know, kids are excited to go on school trips and go to dance competitions. And I was just always in fear of it all. Um, mm. And I think it just got to me. So I, yeah, I was, i was, my poor dad, I think. But from there that, you know, that was our relationship that was, it was tight then. You know, and he was always, he'd never lost his temper with me whenever there was a, a panic or, you know, cause he didn't understand it himself. And back then anxiety and depression wasn't really spoken about. Um, <laughs> he, he did take me to see a doctor and a hypnotherapist and do all he could. And I think I was diagnosed at one point with asthma when I was having an, uh, a panic attack, which now I, I, I know or I feel it was a panic attack and wasn't asthma. I couldn't breathe, but it was, it was panic. So, I, and then I think another time I was told I had agoraphobia, but never was anxiety or, or depression or anything spoken about, but oh, so I was lucky wow. to have had my dad.
2: Yeah. yeah, you were blessed to have him and that he had that, he was just a pillar of support for you. So what would you say has helped you the most with your mental and emotional health? Uh,
1: talking about it, uh, one, um, not suppressing it and holding it in. I think if you can suppress anything for too long, it's gonna erupt. <laughs> Meditation over the last few years, meditation and yoga has had a huge impact on my life. I only wish I'd have found that sooner, you know, which is why I'd now be so passionate about sharing that with others, especially the younger generation. One of the biggest things it's taught me is to not identify with the thoughts um, that I have and, and the stories that I'm telling myself. You know, and now if there's a day where I feel anxious, I I'm a lot kinder to myself. You know, I don't, I don't have a go at myself for feeling that way. I allow myself to feel these things. And, you know, through those kind of Eastern teachings, it's really it's been life-changing, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So I continue to learn, but that's, yeah, that would have had the most profound effect on me.
2: Amazing. So can you tell us, in your words,
1: what does positivity mean for you? Um, certainly not being, like, happy all the time. <laughs> uh, I think understanding that like the challenging times are a part of everyone's life, but to be optimistic and hopeful during those times to keep your spirit up and and to not give up. That's positivity to me. Um, you know, it's not always easy of course to be positive and we're naturally not going to feel positive all the time. Um, especially if you're struggling with any kind of mental health issues or addictions, you know, of course it's going to be hard to be positive, but I think you positivity can be practiced, you know, for example, practicing gratitude, just being grateful for some of the smaller things. So, When times do get super tough, if you can just find gratitude uh, in something, that will keep you positive.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there can be confusion about that. And thanks for clarifying that about positivity because sometimes people think, oh, my God, I have to be like that all the time. And it's it's not natural. (laughs) It's not possible. (laughs) So how did traveling the world develop you as a person? And what did you learn from other cultures?
1: I've definitely learned to appreciate other cultures, and it would have taught me some patience. So, um, you know, for example, being in in the likes of China uh, without your home comforts, uh, there's the language barrier, there's the food, you know, it pushes you massively out of your comfort zone, uh, which I think is very important in life. Um, You know, you learn to get by during those challenging times. Um, It's taught me to enjoy life over possessions um so i you know i've been living out in my suitcase for however many years um i don't i'm 34 this year i don't own a house i don't have many things but i don't need them i en- I enjoy the travel and to also really i don't think we're that different from many other cultures i think uh we're all just trying to live the best life that we can so that's actually not you know we're all just trying to do our best whatever culture you are but uh yeah it's it's definitely helped me develop as a person i think that the life experience you gain from traveling just is everything
2: definitely so i have a bonus question for you from my good friend and irish dancing teacher anita bennett and that is do you suffer from pre-performance nerves and have you any recommendations on handling them
1: oh yeah I so my pre-performance nerves started when I did my first dance competition I was about 12 years old uh no yeah 11 12 and I went up on the stage and I think my dad was just praying Uh went up on the stage the music started I pointed my toe my legs started to shake and I think my dad was like oh god here we go and I just burst into tears I ran off the stage and like I don't ever want to do that again <laughs> um, and it's been like that kind of you know ever since because that was such a memory, I guess. Like. But now, um, as a professional, um, I think having a pre-performance routine was vital and this would really begin in the weeks leading up to a performance and and the evening before I would spend um, at least 10 minutes every evening visualising me at my best on the stage. I think as power in in visualisation and you you visualize it in as much detail as possible. So right down to the nerves I'd be feeling. So you almost get used to feeling those nerves in your stomach as you're watching yourself on the stage. You know, there were times when I'd visualize and I'd see myself slipping, falling over, or, you know, the crowd not clapping, all of these kind of silly things. But, you know, you, that's when I'd recommend to people that you just rewind and you keep practice it, practicing it. You know, if you do this mental rehearsal often, by the time you get on the stage, it's like you've already done it multiple times. You know, you've seen it, you've visualized it. Um, so I think having a strong vision is important. I recommend now to the dancers I work with creating a positive affirmation. Um, you know, there's, in Riverdance, you're expected to give 100% every single night. And we can be doing eight shows a week for nine months. So you can imagine you're not going to feel 100% every day. So, you know, it's all about developing the tools to be able to get you into a mindset where you can at least try and give 100%. They expect that of you. So one of those things for me was an affirmation. If I was feeling a little bit down or, oh, I'm wrecked today or this kind of thing, um, my positive affirmation back then was, I'm a dancer. I'm an athlete, and I can prove it. And I just, I have my headphones in backstage doing my warm up, my pre-performance routine, and I chant that to myself over and over and over again. Um, so it's just another way of getting you in that positive mindset. And another thing is focusing on yourself. So usually, if you're that nervous and you're struggling to control them. I've found a lot of dancers are, are worrying about the outcomes. So especially those competitive Irish dancers, they're worrying about what the judges are going to think, what their dance teachers will think. What if I slip? What if I don't like the stage? All of these things that are just not in their control. <laughs> so I tend to say to them, if you just focus on the things that you're in control of, which ultimately is just you, you know, then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, when you put it like that, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You can't be worrying about everybody else. So yeah, they're just uh, just a few tips there.
2: That's amazing. That's really helpful. And
0: that was a great awareness that you had. I'm going to pass it over to
2: Sarah now.
0: Chloe, I'm so fascinated by you and your story. And thanks for sharing that mindset of being 100% before a show. Because actually, I was listening to a guy, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Jack Canfield. And he said, 99's a bitch and 100% is a breeze. And he mentioned in that, to even believe that you're 100% committed will give a different energy in what you're doing. So you just compounded that for me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing okay. that. <laughs> and recently, yeah. I was so happy to find out after looking at your Instagram and everything that you're also a fellow podcaster and a co-host on a show called Fesh Talk, and I got the chance to listen to episode one so far. Wow, it was amazing. I found it super interesting even, and I've never done Irish dancing myself before, but great takeaways, and I loved hearing your story there. I just, I can't imagine what spending a decade in Riverdance must have been like for you. I'd love to know what's your favorite or most fun memory from that time spent in shows?
1: Oh, um, my, I think my favorite memory has to be performing my first um, lead show at the Gaiety Theater, the prestigious theater at the top of Grafton Street. And that was the very theater that I, I did my audition in. So to, oh, and, and we, I, I knew a number of weeks before I went on that I was going to be practicing, that I was going to be going on as the lead. But I, I told my family, but I didn't tell my dad. We kept it from my dad, so he thought he was still coming over to Dublin to watch me as part of, of the I which he would have still loved and enjoyed, sure he loved the show. Um, so he had no idea, we kept it from him, it's just my family that knew, and I just remember everybody in the cast being so supportive, and they knew that was happening too, and they knew what a journey myself and my dad had been on together, and they knew how much he loved it. So, you know, they were like, oh God, I wish we could set up a camera in front of his face to see it. You know, they, it was just such a buzz around that moment and um, such an emotional time. And then, uh, you know, I remember my dad saying he just, he didn't really see the first dance because he's he just, he said, I couldn't believe it. Like he's, <laughs> after all that we'd been through, I come out as the lead dancer and I think it just... Oh my God, you must have blew him away. I think it was very overwhelming for him. It's, it's funny, oh. uh, the the producer of the show, He uh, he um, it was actually only after my dad passed away, um, Julian Erskine, fantastic man, he, he said to me, do you know one of my favourite memories was your dad at the interval of you doing your first lead show, he said he ran over to me, he grabbed my hand with tears in his eyes, he shook my hand and said, Oh, thank you Mm -hmm. so much, Mister Askin. That's just the—you know—it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. you know, it was just—I think—so grateful and just so. Yeah. So that—I mean—that memory is always going to stand out. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the favorite, another fun memory would be being in Hawaii. That would have certainly been a highlight. (laughs) (laughs) There's river dance in Hawaii. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and we didn't believe it until we were actually there on Waikiki Beach. Like, what is this? It was in a December in a December back in 2012, I think it was, it was the first time they'd ever been to Hawaii. And just being, we were like, the show was then getting in the way of our, you know, fun time of like being on the beach and like going out in the evening, so. But uh, no, it was, yeah. There's been some loads of highlights, but those, uh, that stands out.
0: What an experience, Hawaii, and what a proud moment for your father. I just find that amazing. Thanks for sharing that with us, does that for lifting my soul, wow. And look, it's been 12 years that you were in Riverdance and I'm I've after learning that you've also hung up your dancing shoes and now you're a personal trainer, yoga teacher, positive mental health advocate and these passions being your new dance, what I want to ask you is what advice would you give to help anyone who's thinking of making a career change or searching for a new passion? Because that's a huge jump for you really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is and th- that transition was a struggle. It really was for a while, you know, that had been my identity and my life for so long. And that would have been, you know, to be in Riverdance is the pinnacle of any Irish dancer's career. So, you know, and, and sometimes when you're caught up on tour, you think you, you, you try not to think of like what's next, you, you know. So when it does happen, it's like, <gasps> it can, it, it's like any athlete, I'd say any athlete that comes off of the field, um, any sport that they're into, it can be a challenging time and it can be a time of grief. So I think you have to prepare for that and just allow it. You, you're going to miss it. But I would say when it comes to looking for a new passion, just what are your strengths? Um, what are you What are you passionate about? What, what are you good at? You know, I like to think or hope that I'm good at coaching and, and working with people, and, and it's a passion of mine. So it, it was a natural kind of transition to go down that that route. And, you know, I've always been... Into my strength and conditioning and and yoga over the last few years has had such an impact on my life. So now I'm like, well, I want to teach that. So, you know, this time last year I was away in Bali doing my my yoga teachers. I knew it always made me feel good, but I wanted to learn more about it so that I could you know bring that to others. So, I would say you know talk to people, um, figure out what your strengths are yeah that's it really (laughs) no that's
0: super so talk to people maybe that are close to you maybe know you better than you know yourself and figure out your strengths and see what you actually love and what could be natural and easy for you as a progression you know
1: just ask for help I think sometimes you can be so proud or be like you know I've got to figure all this out by myself and, and you don't just go and ask people get a mentor or a life coach or you know anything people that can help you
0: yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well done. Well done on taking those steps.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I
0: have to say, I did a little bit more stalking, creeping, what did they say these days? Uh, and and what I found was <laughs> glancing over your entire career, we can really see here at P&P that you've brought so much joy and happiness and health to the world of Irish dancing. And if anyone looks at your Instagram, they'll really see that for the dancers, dancers that you help and everything that you do. What I want to know though is, what is one thing that you do every day that brings Chloe Turner the most joy?
1: Drink coffee. <laughs> um, uh, honestly, uh, my work brings me joy. Like it, it gets me out of bed every day. Like for now to be of service, I think to others and, and give back um, from my life experiences and the things I've learned along the way and overcoming what I have, it, I have to give back and it, it really does get me out of bed it, it's I wake up excited to teach and learn some more and so yeah there's, there's not necessarily one thing but uh I, I, my work <laughs> seriously my work
0: that is amazing
2: I'm actually blown away you're just an amazing person and we can hear and see that from you that you're just in your state of pure joy and congratulations That's a great place to be for anyone. And I'm glad that you can help coach people on that path for themselves. It's really special. So I guess I would like to ask if you have one piece of wisdom to share, what would that be? Um,
1: I'd say no matter how bad it is or may seem, understand that you deserve peace and happiness as much as anybody else. You know, you and only you are responsible for your own happiness. And although it has been very, very difficult, once I was committed and I understood this, uh, it took me on the path to where I am today. Um, I didn't give up on myself. And for that, I'm very proud of myself. And, you know, finally I'm at peace. So I, you know, I would say do it for you. You absolutely, everyone deserves to be happy.
2: That's so true. Thanks, Amelia. Thanks for being here with us. And I hope, well, I know this is going to reach the people it needs to reach. And I hope they get the message that they need at this time. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: You're so welcome. And I just say what a beautiful way to end the podcast. Everyone does deserve to be happy. Exactly what you said. And it has been such a great experience sitting here, looking at a screen and getting to see virtually what you're like in person. And inside and out, I can see that you're a beautiful spirit and you're doing great work for the world. And I absolutely admire you for what you're up to. So continue to do that and we'll keep following you.
1: Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> We're P&P
0: and and you have been listening to the Partners in Positivity podcast. You can follow Partners in Positivity on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple and Spotify podcasts and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Join us next week for another Partners in Positivity conversation. Thank you for tuning in to p p